Welcome back, Bible readers. This is the Rooted Podcast, and we're in the middle of the book of Hebrews. That's where we're at. Last week, we've talked through um, chapters one through six, uh, most of it. There's a lot here. You know, we obviously could spend a lot of time in the book of Hebrews. We're just trying to show you the big picture, the outline, the flow, trying to show you some uh, important things that really stick out of the text. Uh, But today, we're going to be in uh, chapter seven. Through around chapter 10 or so, I feel a little underdressed today, Tim here in a shirt and tie, and and uh, maybe I need to step up my game and get a little more dressed up. For, uh, <laughs> We're dressed up for funerals today, <laughs> so we have a tie on. So you never know uh, what's coming before a podcast or what's just happened after a podcast or... Or, or when, because obviously we're pre-recording some of these. So today we're going to talk about um, continuing the second half. Well, of course, the I guess the middle, the book of Hebrews, chapter seven through chapter ten. And just to kind of review from you know last week, we're understanding that the author is building the argument, building the argument of how Christ is so much better. He is, has a better revelation, you know, himself. The first couple of chapters, excuse me, a couple of verses of chapter one. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's really better than the entire priesthood, all of it, from Aaron, from chapter four all the way to chapter ten. He is so much better. And we talked about how he's a better priest in chapter six or five and six. Now in chapter seven, we come into contact with this fella uh, by the name of Melchizedek. And what the scriptures say is the scriptures say that Christ is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And so my Melchizedek expert here, Tim, is going <laughs> to tell you exactly who Melchizedek is. No, no. Um, Melchizedek's an interesting character, and he's kind of hard to pin down as to his identity. He just appears on the scene. Yeah. He just somehow appears on the scene, which makes you think sometimes, as some scholars and Bible students have assumed, that he could be a pre-incarnate appearance of God, a theophany. He could be a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ as himself um, as well, um, as the simple fact that he could be a historical character. I think he was a historical person. I do too. um, In that context. So um, Christ... The, the the argument here is that Christ is in the line of Melchizedek because Melchizedek's line is not associated with Aaron's line, with the priesthood. It's different because, remember, Christ is better. His priesthood is so much better. His priesthood is not weighed or laden down by the requirements of Aaron and the Levites and all the things they did. Christ's priesthood, excuse me, is so much better. But I think what happens when we get to Melchizedek, we get so curious and so interested in him that we try to decipher his identity or who he truly was, and we lose our focus. It's kind of like, you know how it is when you're sitting in church and uh, the preacher's preaching and somebody comes in the back door, right? <laughs> and, and, and you look. It's a distraction. Like, and you're like, wait a minute, you know, I know that guy, I know that. Who is that? Wait a minute, I, I, I think I remember him. And you look and you just stare, and of course you go, everybody goes and watches them sit down, you know how it is. And you're like, man, I know that guy, I know that guy. And the whole service, you spend time thinking, who in the world is this guy? Who is he? And we lose focus off of the preaching, off of the preacher who's preaching and giving us to what's what God's Word has to say for us. We're acting just like... What happens when we get to chapter 7, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times we look, well, who was this Melchizedek? I don't know. And we start to peer into his identity and how, you know, trying to figure it out. 
when the point is to show how Christ and how Melchizedek, I guess we might say, are similar, and how Christ's lineage, his priestly lineage, lineage is better than um, the Levites, is better than Aaron. And so um, don't get distracted. I know he's a fun guy to look into and a fun guy to study. He shows up, what, three different times, Genesis, Hebrews, and once in Psalms, I think. Um, but uh, what do you think about Melchizedek? Well, what's so <laughs> intriguing about him, it says in verse number three, he was without father, without mother, without genealogy, mm-hmm. so it's hard to trace where he comes from. Yeah. And it says, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. And so he says in verse 4 that, now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarchs Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And so he's a very intriguing personality that, that comes to surface from the Scriptures. I think you hit, to me, the, the, the key understanding of why Melchizedek's here, and you read the verse in verse 3, of course, at the end he says, mine says, he remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Yeah. So to me, the focus should be not on his identity, but on how he is similar right. with Christ. Typology. Typology. Uh, to me, that's the, sim- the, the similarities and what he's going to, what the author does down through the chapter seven, how he is similar more to Christ than he would ever be, right. ever be to Aaron. And so, um, was he? He a, was way before Aaron's yeah, time. Yeah, you know, he just appears on the scene. Yeah, and you know, uh, he, he's a very unusual. Character. Abraham pays homage to Melchizedek. Yes. You know, so obviously Abraham here knows a little bit of something about this. Um, but also in verse 1, he says he was the king of Salem, mm-hmm. which would be king of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yeah. And so he's, he, he was a king. And so uh, not only was he an, a high priest, but he was also a king mm-hmm. who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings you know, during the war. Who was it? Those kings, and he went to battle with those kings, Sodom and Gomorrah, and some of those other. Yep. Were they five kings? I yep. think it was. Yep. That tells the story, and Abraham won the battle, recovered Lot. So, to understand um, a little bit more about Melchizedek, you just have to see him in regards to what does he do to promote the argument that Jesus is so much better than the old system, than the Aaronic priesthood, than the Levites. Because he says in verse 8, the priests who collect tithes are men who die. So Melchizedek is greater than they are because we are told that he lives on. And he goes on, in addition, we might say that these Levites, the ones who collect the tithe, paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestors Abraham paid a tithe to him. For though Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came in Abraham's body will Melchizedek collected tithes from them. So they're saying that the Levite priesthood should be paying tithes or did pay tithes to Melchizedek, saying that he was way, way before. So if the priesthood, verse 11 of Levi, on which the law was based, could have achieved the perfection of God, or that God intended, why did God need to establish a different priesthood with a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of Levi and Aaron. And see, there's the argument. He's saying the Levi and Aaron priesthood 
could not make a person perfect. But here he's saying... And that's the key word, they cannot make a person. Cannot, but Christ could, and Christ is from the order of Melchizedek. And so what he's saying is that he's just trying to show you that Christ is not associated with the Levites, with Aaron. He wasn't even from the tribe of Levi. Levi was the third-born son. Uh, Judah was the fourth-born son from which Jesus came from. So it's not even the same tribe, not even the same. So the author is saying, and that's what it says in verse 14, what I mean is our Lord came from the tribe of Judah, and Moses never mentioned priests (laughs) coming from that tribe at all. So Jesus completely removed different than the Aaron priesthood. And because he's in Jesus in the priesthood of Melchizedek, Melchizedek was long before the priesthood yeah. of Aaron. And it, it says Therefore, it it's so much better. Yeah, in verse number 14, it's evident mm-hmm. that our Lord arose from Judah, which the tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood, like you're saying. Yeah. And it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arise another priest who has come, not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but I like this, but according to the power of a of an endless life. How, yeah, how does yeah. the, it says by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. Yeah, That's what mine says. And then he testifies, as Scripture says. Uh, so. so as you look at Melchizedek, again, there's a lot more to explore here. Um, you look at Melchizedek and just put him in the, uh, in the category of how does he and Christ together on one side show that they are so much better than Aaron and, and Levi and the whole priesthood? And it is showing us that it's demonstrating us that. Uh, because what it's doing is that the author here is trying to argue from, remember, this is the book of Hebrews. Um, the rest of the New Testament, while it may have been written, wasn't put in book form. So all he has is the Old Testament, okay? So that's all he has. So obviously, Jesus wasn't quote unquote alive. He was alive in the Old Testament time, but he wasn't a physical character right. person right. in the Old Testament time. But Melchizedek was. And so to prove his point, he's trying to show you, let me demonstrate a historical character before, you know, in the days of Abraham, before the the uh, priesthood was ever instituted. Let me give you a historical character and show you how Jesus is in his line. And his line was way before Aaron's, way different than Aaron's, not even associated anyway with Aaron's. Therefore, it is better than Aaron's. Amen. And that's the point. Yeah. And he says clearly in verse 19, the next verse, for the law made nothing perfect. How does yeah. the NLT? It says, for the law never made anything perfect. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but now it says, we have confidence in a better hope yep. through which we draw near to God. God. Um, and, and you know, there's so much more to Melchizedek, but but you get the point. And, and sometimes we get so distracted by him in the text. We're like, who is this character? What is this? But just think about how does this character show us how Christ is so much better? It shows us because this character, Melchizedek, and, and Christ, they're in the same priesthood lineage, which is completely different from Aaron's. Because remember, the whole argument is that how is Christ and what he has brought to us so much better? He's better in Revelation, <coughs> You know, he's better than the angels. He's better than Moses in chapter 3. You know, he has a better priesthood in general, and, and this is one of the ways. Uh, he's not even tied to the Aaron, Aaronic priesthood. I think I'm saying that right, the Aaronic yes. priesthood. You know, And then in chapter 8, you know, we have a high priest. Um, in chapter 8, he has a better covenant. He's a better mediator of his covenant. Um, and it talks about the sacrifice and the things that in chapter 8 that... Uh, used to have to be done um, uh, for a priest. 
Every high priest in verse 3 is required to make a gift and sacrifices. Our high priest must make an offering too. And it talks about all the things the high priest was required to do. Um, and But now it says, Jesus, verse 6, our high priest has been given a ministry that is far superior. Do you see it? There it is, superior. Mine says superior. Far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a better covenant with God based on better promises. And remember, all the way back when we talked, well, not all the way back, but the last podcast when we talked, uh, you know, understanding the theme that you have Jewish Christians here who are trying to grow in their faith, trying to understand and connect how Jesus was a fulfillment of this all, you know, and they're trying to grow, but they're being tempted, they're being pressured, they're being ostracized by others in the community who had not accepted Christ, uh, of going back into the law, going back into the old ways, into the old system. And so they're constantly thinking, well, I want to go back because it's so much easier. There's nobody's going to pressure me. Everybody's going to still do business with me. I'm not going to be persecuted if I go back I can in the go old back system. back to my home synagogue. Just like us today, we're believers in Jesus Christ. If we don't stand for Christ, if we say, well, we just want to kind of compromise and mix in with the world so we won't be persecuted. Mm-hmm. We're doing the exact same thing here. Uh, you know, and for these guys, these Hebrew Christians, they had that temptation. It was strong. And the author's trying to argue, don't do it. Christ and what he offers is Christ so is better. much better. It's so much better. Why would you ever think? I mean, he's like slapping them on the head. Come on, guys. Why would you ever think that going back to the old system is so much better? I mentioned this in the, in the uh, other podcast we did. I said, I would never want to go back to the Old Testament time. I said, maybe, oh. I said, no, no. I said maybe to visit for a few days, you know, like visiting a long lost relative or seeing how things were, maybe yeah. meeting a couple people. Um, but I wouldn't want to go back there for a permanent thing. Uh, uh-uh. uh, no, no. Again, maybe for a visit. But I'm glad we live in the New Testament times, yes. uh, uh, especially all the uh, comforts and luxuries yeah. and, that we and have. These Jews, today. because of persecution, were continually being pulled back. Yeah. And whoever wrote the book of Hebrews reminds them not only is Christ better, uh, but he, he a- admonishes them over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Let us go on. Let us, let us, let yeah, us. Including himself, and, yeah. You know, it's called the vegetable book or the vegetable <laughs> statement. Let us. Let us, yeah. let us. And if you read through the book of Hebrews and just mark that little phrase, yeah, don't go back, go forward. We're yeah. not from them anymore. We're we're of the people of God. Go forward. Yeah, and there's that danger of in chapter six of not maturing, yeah, not moving absolutely. forward. And that's where that danger comes in because if we don't continue to mature in our faith, if we don't listen to God's discipline, then there might be a, a time where, you know, he pulls back, he doesn't do anything. And and it's a dangerous thing to fall into the hands of the living yeah. God. How does the NLT translate in, in the New King James in chapter six, verse twelve? It talks about them being sluggish. Oh yeah, uh, uh, it says, um, "Then you will not become then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, dull. you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises mm-hmm. because of their faith. Yeah, spiritually dull. Uh, so what is your that, what you is your do not." Say? He, you do not become sluggish. Oh, that's, sluggish. He doesn't want them to become sluggish. sluggish. Yeah. And that's what was happening. They stopped moving, growing, yeah. moving forward because of persecution. And, and you know, that's important for us to understand, obviously, that we need to continue to keep growing. But our growth may not be um, yardsticks right. of growth each day. Right. Sometimes it's Absolutely. centimeters. Sometimes it's millimeters. Just, just steps at a time. It's steps, slow growth at a time, marathon. each and every day. Yeah. A marathon, yeah. yeah, exactly. But there's that danger 
of, of if not growing, then there's that danger, a good thing that God disciplines us to kind of bring us back, shake us a little bit. Okay, I need to get back on the path here. But there's a danger that if we don't continue to mature, that he might just might let us backslide. And, and that's the beauty of, of Hebrews is yeah. the Christology. Oh, yes, yes. Keep moving toward Messiah, Christ, I like it. Christ Jesus the Lord. And so he shows the superiority of and a direction too. A direction well. to move toward Christ. So it's all different things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> direction as well. Um, and so in chapter eight, as you read, uh, high priest. So yeah. he's in a better covenant. Eight, I don't better mediator. Me, notice he he calls him a high priest. Yeah. And in chapter eight, verse two is is the word minister capitalized for you? No. It so says there he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle. So he, the he's true called place of worship. a minister of the right. sanctuary. It's yeah. Jesus. And then in verse 3, it's capitalized, therefore it is necessary that this one, yeah. he's talking about Messiah, also have something to offer. And he goes on and describes this, this high priest yeah. who served the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things yeah. as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle for he said, see that you make all things according. And how many times do we see that phrase all the way through the yeah. Old Testament? Yeah. Make all things according to the pattern which you have on the mountain. Yep. And uh, But now he, Messiah, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator, capital M, yep. of a better covenant which was established on better promises. Exactly. So that just goes on with just what you're saying about yeah. Christ. Yeah. And again, you're, we're talking about those two covenants. And at the end of that chapter, in chapter 8, you know, when God speaks of a new covenant, it means he, he has made the first covenants. one obsolete, but it is now out of date and will soon disappear. And so you know, while this book is right, while this... this um, it, events here in the book of Hebrews are going on while this author is writing this. The old covenant is slowly being um, becoming obsolete. Annulled, yeah. Yeah. It's not like it's a one-time, like, okay, today it's done, the next day starts a new day. It takes time for this to happen. And so it's, yes, Christ's sacrifice happened on a physical day, and it was a once-and-for-all sacrifice, one point in history it happened. But getting rid of, not getting rid of, but um, how would you better say it? Um, uh, moving forward, maybe moving say, forward to, to the better to, covenant, yeah. it, it takes some time. I mean, two, three thousand years of tradition Absolutely. in history, um, it's hard to move on the next oh, day. My. And so it's it's difficult for them. So while these Jewish Christians are believing in the sacrifice of Christ and have put their faith in them, are uh, believers that Jesus is the Messiah, it's hard for them to let go of that old system in sense of trusting That's that old system. That's right. All. Now, they can still practice that old system so long as they're not um, practicing it to save them. They can still you know, follow all the laws and do all the uh, kosher things that they need to do with food and other requirements and celebrate all the things, so long as they're not practicing those things as a means to save them. They're trusting in Jesus, because that's part of their heritage, part of who they are, the Jewish people. So even Jews today that become believers in Christ as the Messiah, they don't stop observing the feasts. They just now observe them differently, because now they understand those feasts were pointing to Jesus, that He's the one that's different in them. You know, and now they now they observe them a lot differently. I would think than what they do. So you know, he he's not saying that it happens overnight. There's and I think that's the struggle here. That there there's a time. You know, maybe ten, fifteen, twenty years. But you hit you know, something maybe a couple of that, months. That's just, so true. 
Just slow. How in the world? I mean, stop and think how yeah. hard Man. it was. You know, when when you go back to the book of Acts, when the message was repent, yep. and turn toward Christ. Yeah. I mean, man, all they knew was Judaism, yeah. Old Testament law, sacrificial system, the blood of bulls and goats. You know, now Messiah is here. They've been looking for Messiah, but. Here they're told to turn from that and put their faith in Messiah. And Hebrews just continues on with that great truth. And, I, and so I think so it, it was hard. You make a great, great point. Well, yeah, and it shouldn't surprise us in the text yes. when they're hard of hearing or they don't get it the first time right. or it takes two, three, oh, four, my. five, six, seven, can't 20 even times. Yeah. yeah, it's so many times, and they find like, okay, I got it now. It takes time. When we try something new, you know, oh, yeah, it takes time. It's not just something, boom, we do one day, but we do the other day. Even to... Um, um, uh, solidify a habit. Right. It takes time. Right. right. You don't just say one day I'm going to do this. The next day I'm going to change my whole life. Those Jewish <laughs> traditions, they were so entrenched. Yeah, they you were know, in in that life because it was everything. For them. It was everything. Everything that was part of them. And, and so then, as you move into chapter nine, chapter eight, the better covenant. Chapter nine, the better sanctuary. Um, uh, you know, limitations came with the first. But with the second, limitations have kind of been taken away because of Christ. And so, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, there were ways that you had to approach God or requirements because of, you know, you're an unholy people living in the midst of a holy God. There are certain things you had to do in order to approach him. But now because of Christ's sacrifice, he's now become the high priest. You know, a lot of those limitations have been removed. The curtain has been removed. You know, the curtain that protected things yes. has been removed. The place, the priests, you know, and their jobs, um, they had to do a lot of different things for the people. But now that's been removed. Now we can come boldly to our high priest, which is Jesus, and come to him at any time. Under the old system, it says in verse 13, the blood of bulls and goats and, and the ashes of the young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more. You get that? How much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice of our sins. And I really like that verse because that, I mean, you think about that verse. You've got all three parts of the Trinity here. For by the power of the eternal spirit, the Holy Spirit, Christ offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Yes. So it shows you all three yes. parts of the Trinity were involved in Christ's sacrifice on the cross, verse, salvation, verse redemption. Verse talks just about exactly what you were saying. Yeah. It says, now what was becoming obsolete, becoming yep. Uh, yep. and growing old, is it's ready to vanish away. But it, it took took time, like you said. In verse number 13, so that's the, the new covenant has made the first obsolete. Yeah, so. and, and, and that idea continues, like you're saying, into verse 16 of chapter 9. So now when someone leaves a will, it's necessary to prove that person who made it is dead. Yeah. The will goes into effect only after a after person's death. Dead. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read read each of God's commandment to all the people. He took the blood, and it talks about what he did. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant that God has made with you. In the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of yep. sins. And, and so Christ's blood, his sacrifice, once and for all sacrifice, it's highlighting how much better this is than all the other 
blood, sacrifices, Old Testament, the sprinkling, everything, the shedding of blood, all of these things had to be purified. The animals, the utensils, the people, everything, all those things. But yet when Christ offered himself, um, that once and for all sacrifice, that blood of Christ, cleanse us from all sins. That's why the blood is such an important thing. That's why some people don't get that. They, they say it's kind of gory, that's kind of <laughs> ugly, kind of nasty. Yeah. You know, if, we just, if we just understood how bloody it was in the Old Testament, <laughs> oh, man. That's why I say we, we want to go back for a, couple yeah. vi- for a visit for a couple of days <laughs> and then be gone because yeah. of all that. And you think about the line, you know, you're bringing your animal to sacrifice in the tabernacle, the line of people. And then you're bringing your animal, and your animal is kind of hard to wrangle because the animal could smell the stench of blood. They know death when they smell it. It's going to be hard to get the animal there. And the priest's job, no wonder the priest only did his job for like, what, 20, 30 years, 30 years? 30 years. To, 20 to 50. And then he had a mandatory retirement. After that, talk out. about mental, physical, um, uh, you know, exhaustion of all those kinds of things. So when we see that Christ's blood once and for all sacrifice. It says, but now, once and again, once again, ever since the world began, but now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the stage to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. In, in verse number four, just to kind of highlight something you said, yeah, I was reading this morning or yesterday uh, when David wanted to move the Ark of the Covenant. Right. It yeah. talks about the Ark of the Covenant. And right. the first time, uh, you know, as a Touched it. Touched yeah, it. The, the ox down. stumbled, but then they moved it correctly. They used the poles, and they carried it, and right. it was the Levites who did it. And But they took so many steps, and they offered how many thousands of goats yeah, and sacrifices. cows. Yeah. Yeah. Sa- I mean, you talk about blood. Yeah. I mean, my word, every five steps, Yeah. you know, how far was it when they were moving <laughs> it, to, you know, to the temple? All those sacrifices, and, all those animals. Um, again... And the sacrifices, you know, the animals, the bloodshed, just a constant reminder that one day Jesus' blood would be sacrificed. Jesus' blood, Jesus' blood, Jesus' blood, Jesus' blood. I mean, the life was in the blood. The blood. And and just that constant. Because the blood is our life. If we didn't have blood going through our veins, we would not have life. It, the it's blood is what animates our body. For our sins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's Christ's blood. It's It's his yeah. blood. His sacrifice for us, and so, um, man, he wasn't satisfied with the blood of bulls and goats, but it was the blood of Christ, the the precious. Peter calls it the precious blood. And I like was the propitiation. I like what the end of verse uh, chapter nine too. It says, "Just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes the judgment, so also Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He man. will come again." Not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all Amen. who eagerly await for him. And I like the way he ties that together, uh, the author does there in chapter 9. And then, of course, uh, you move right in chapter 10, and you see how much superior Christ's actual oh sacrifice was. And how um, I highlighted chapter 10, verse 10. It says, for God, my translation says, and this was a powerful verse for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time that's always been the plan it always has been the plan and if we believe that God always has a plan he's perfect 
and he's sovereign in control of all things, then you have to get the fact that this old system has always meant to show or point you forward, we're using point forward, point you forward to the fact that there would be a once and for all sacrifice. This has always been the plan, always has been, always will be. Nothing's going to change it. So that whole system, while it looks like it says, oh, let's throw away the old system, let's get rid of it. No, no, that old system was there designed to show the people living during that day, pointing them forward to a once and for all sacrifice of Christ. Verse number 11 says, that old system could never Mm. take away sins, but this man, capital M, Jesus, Mm. Messiah, after he had offered One sacrifice for yeah. sins forever set down at the right hand of God. So it's uh, the blood of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ. And it says in verse 14, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Mm. So uh, how does it translate verse number 11 in the NLT the last six words. It says, Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, Repeatedly. which can yeah. never take away never, sins. Never, never, never take away our sins. And, and But this man, I love those three yeah, words. I know. How does it say it in it the says, NLT? Um, but our high priest is what it says, I think, verse 12. Verse 12. Yeah, I like the way it says in the, in the New King James, I think, what you're reading from, yeah, but this man. But this man. Yeah, it's very dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> but this man. Yeah. Because in the old system, um, you had this constant sacrificing day after day, day after day, day after day. The priest was constantly standing because his work was never finished. Constantly standing, constantly doing this. But he says, made the once and for all sacrifice Jesus, and then he sat down. He's finished. His work is done. It's completed. It doesn't have to go anymore. And and you look at the sacrifice, like we were talking about, those sacrifices brought in the Old Testament were coerced. They were forced. The animal didn't have a choice. You brought the animal. Jesus here, of his own will, made the choice to follow the Father's will and to go and sacrifice himself. He wasn't pulled. He wasn't coerced. He wasn't arrested and pushed. No, he walked down the Via Della Rosa to sacrifice himself. He willingly sacrificed himself yes. for us. Yes. And that's also showing you the difference between sacrifice and obedience. The sacrifices here, they were required. But obedience, that's completely different because that willingly he goes to the cross. This man does. He willingly goes. Of course, Absolutely. you know, just like humans, just like us, you know, in the garden, Jesus says, you know, Lord, is there any other way? Can I do this some other way? Can we accomplish redemption some other way? But there's if this no is the way, way, yeah, but if this is the way you want me to do it, I'll do it. Yes. It doesn't mean we can't question. Yes. Jesus questioned. He says, Lord, is there any other way? And But if there's not, and God said there wasn't, then I'm going to do it. That's what I love about yeah. the book of Hebrews. And, and, and a tip for all you Bible readers, you're reading the Pauline epistles or the general epistles, What's so exciting to me when I read the book of Hebrews yeah. is the Christology. Yeah. What's so exciting to me when I read the book of Colossians is the Christology, Christology because it fuels my worship, yeah. and worship is so important in the Christian life. Yeah. And so the this book of Hebrews talks about this man and the blood of Christ, yeah. the high view of Christ, yeah. when a world wants to minimize him. Yeah. But you and I need to have a good Christology on the New Testament so we can worship Jesus. 
you know, and while fuels we, our worship. And while we talk about coming to worship Jesus because of mm. what He's done, His sacrifice, He's paid for our sins, and, and again, we're not discounting that, there's much more to oh Jesus my. than just oh. sacrifice. And, and it's kind of like when you develop a relationship with someone, you know, you might come to meet them, and you know, you're a few months into your relationship with them, and you really like this person, and you really, uh, you know, are connecting well, and you have a good relationship. Well, as you age with this person, as you learn what you learn their backstory, how they came oh, to where wow. they're at, you begin to appreciate them so much more, your relationship with them so much more. So it is with Jesus. You know, when you come to faith in Christ, wow, okay, I have my hell insurance policy, right? <laughs> you know, I'm going to heaven one day. It's good. That's a good thing, right? But now it's time to understand, well, what did Jesus actually do? Where did it all start from? Yeah. You know, kind of like we got to the end of the book, but now we got to go back and read the prequel and read all the things that happened and how he got there and how the world and, and sin and Satan try to destroy Jesus from ever coming onto the stage. And it makes you appreciate him so much more. Yeah. It makes your worship, like you said, so yes. much deeper and so much more valuable. And the book of Hebrews is just full of Old Testament Scripture. Oh, yeah. I don't know. How many quotes? Is there 138... I don't know, quotes. but I know that when I took Hebrews in college, we couldn't read Hebrews until we first read the book of Leviticus. Yeah. You okay. had, that was a requirement. You had to read Leviticus first. Psalms and Leviticus. Before I mean, you read the book of Hebrews, dr- before I mean, we studied yeah, it. Yeah. Because there's so much of Old Leviticus Testament. in there with Old Testament law, and it gives you a proper understanding of what he's saying. And so, um, you know, but obviously we go back to the very first verse of, of Hebrews that we talked about last week um, that we did anyway. God speaks. You know, God spoke in the old times, but now He's spoken in the new times through Jesus. And it shows you that both the old and the new are, are yes. just as valuable, yes. just as important. But it's Jesus yes. is the one who connects both the old and the new together. Yeah. And so, um, okay, well, I think our time is done. We don't have much more time. So that was chapter 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. And, well, not 11. That was kind of halfway through 10. So next week, we'll cover the rest of the book. Um, halfway through 10, all the way through chapter 13. Some more good stuff there, Hall of Faith, um, um, how you should listen to your pastor all the time. That's in chapter 13, oh, right? yes, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fun one there in chapter 13, but there's some good examples in uh, the Hall of Faith and things like that of continued examples, because remember, you know, they're wanting to go back into the old ways. They're being tempted and ostracized to be fall back into the old system. He says, no, wait a minute, look at all these guys in faith who stepped forward, in faith, who kept going forward, in faith, who kept going forward. He's saying, follow these examples. So we'll get to that next week, but that's all the time we have for this week. So continue reading. Uh, Hebrews is a book that you have to read through slowly, I think, kind of dissect a little bit. Sometimes you read it through once, you got to read it through again and again and again yes. and again. Uh, so just take your time. Uh, there's on. no rust. Um, and yep. chew on it a little bit. <laughs> and if you have any questions, don't forget to send them to BibleReading at LBC.org. And we'll see you guys next time.